Welcome to Dr. Green Speaks. What's up, family? You know who I be. It's the kid again, Dr. Green. Yeah, you heard of me. Listen. Bridging the gap between scholars. Read more books than the curriculum profile. Doctors, athletes, and pop culture influencers. <laughs> Major show alert. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. And now, Dr. Green Speaks. Bring them out. What's up, family? You know who it is. It's the kid again, Dr. Green. Yep. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm, I'm going to continue to keep bringing brilliance to you every single time we talk, every time I have an opportunity to sit here with you. Today, I have Dr. Jalal Hayes, whose area of expertise is hydrogen energy, right? Steam education. He was the youngest doctoral candidate at Delaware State University. He's been to Del State. He's been to Howard. He's been to Lincoln University. He's very well versed in terms of the HBCU experience. He's from Philly by way of Chicago. This is my man, Dr. Hayes. What's up, family? How you doing today? I'm doing all right, man. I'm blessed. Thankful to be here. Thankful I got another day to wake up and make an impact in the world one day at a time. How about yourself? Man, I'm here and I'm glad to be here today. I couldn't agree more. I want to let the audience know a little bit about what it is that you do exactly, right? Because there's obviously a dearth of, of black men in, in the STEM fields. Mm -hmm. So can you tell me a little bit about your area of expertise? Absolutely. So if you're talking about STEM, I'm part of the S, uh, the science field, particularly in the chemistry uh, realm. And if you want to get even deeper, I get into more of applied chemistry, which is I focus on clean energy, specifically hydrogen energy. So what I did was a funnel. So I'm in science, um, part of that science and chemistry. And then within the chemistry realm, I deal with energy chemistry, particularly dealing with the first element on the periodic table, which is hydrogen. That's what I study. Any and everything about hydrogen production, storage, delivery, that's what I do on the chemical side. And that's what's up. So so why is that relevant? Help, help the layman to understand why studying hydrogen is really important. Absolutely. So what... People may or may not realize hydrogen is now on the table for clean energy. Um, it's been passed by the latest bill, the biggest bill, I believe, in history, the Build Back Better plan in regards to the clean energy infrastructure. Um, hydrogen is allocated for $9 billion in regards to focusing on take, switching from gas into more carbon-free solutions to help our environment, right? So that's one of the key reasons why um, hydrogen is very important. I started research 10 years ago, literally, yep, 2012, uh, January 3rd, 2012, got into the space until now where you're probably seeing it is now merging into the marketplace. And so I'm participating in that as well, um, what turned my research out into building a company to make an impact in that space. Wow. So, so tell me, where does that begin for you specifically? So obviously you didn't end up just popping up here. Where are you from originally? I'm from North Philadelphia originally. Um, born in Chicago, raised in Philly uh, all my life. And then 
from that standpoint, being in Philadelphia, I was fortunate enough to experience because my parents, my parents were both educators. My father was a librarian. My mom is a school teacher. So navigating that particular space, um, I've, education been part of my life as as well as growing up in the inner city, right? So mm -hmm. growing up in the inner city, as well as having education, I learned the duality of both sides. And I was fortunate enough um, to get into science around when I was eight years old. And that's what spurred me into getting interested about how things work and on the engineering aspect, science aspect, things of that nature. But then as I navigated throughout that journey, um, I stumbled upon this guy by the name of Dr. Jesse Henry Wilkin Jr. Um, this was a black guy born in Chicago, just like B. Uh, shot out. Yeah, shot town. But he he stayed in Chicago. I moved uh, to Philly. But born in Chicago, father was a part of the United States uh, cabinet. Mother was a school teacher, so he had a common knowledge. Mom was a school teacher. But he graduated high school at 13 um, and went mm -hmm. to University of Chicago at the age of 13, being the youngest student to ever do it, nicknamed the Negro Genius. And in addition to that, worked on a Manhattan Project under Einstein. So he was like Einstein's protege. Oh. A lot of people don't know, which came up with a lot of patents and um, came up with his own equation, black man. And then uh, finished school, got his PhD by the age, I believe, 21 or 19. The books differ between the two years, but he did it very young. And reading about his story, I was like, wow, I hope I can do something like that um, as well, which spurred my journey two years later, um, age of 15, graduated from high school um, by way of Northeast Prep, but I went to school at High School Engineering Science, the number one, I believe the number one premier STEM school in Philadelphia. It wasn't even called STEM back then, I believe. It was just uh, science and engineering school um, at the time. So going through that, graduated 15 to start my journey at Lincoln University. So that's where the motivation came from to start my own journey in STEM. Um, I learned STEM like we had the, I learned STEM throughout my whole journey. Um, and it was because of the resources. Again, my parents were librarians, right? One was a school, one was I'm an academia public. The we had in the Free Library of Philadelphia, there's science weeks. I don't know if they had it in other cities, but we had like one week of science where we studied science for one week. And they gave me these goggles um, that I, I don't know where they're at, but I, those goggles that I have with me to this day say, you know what? This is what I'm going to use for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Now, my parents had it where I want to be a medical, I was going to be a medical doctor. But that particular, those science weeks throughout my journey, I said, no, nah, I think I want to do something in this particular space. And mm -hmm. again, um, at age 15, going to college at Lincoln University, Pennsylvania, the oldest historically black college and university um, in America, degree granting historically black college um, and university in America. I went and studied chemistry um, as well as history because I didn't know. I wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't know if I wanted to do the attorney. I love history, but I also um, wanted to still pursue a science. So I did that for three years. Wow, wow, that's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So um, obviously there's this narrative that that um, 
science is hard, STEM is hard, math is hard. And they suggest that one of the reasons why there's a dearth of black um, and, and, and brown um, boys and girls going into STEMs is because it's so difficult. Can you speak to the reality or the myth of the difficulty of STEM that people suggest is inhibiting um, particular individuals from entering the fields? Absolutely. So I like to say, let's demystify it, right? Because nothing is hard. As long as you put your mind to it, you can get it done. Uh, so what's what STEM, I believe, is not really the hardness of it. It's the way it's taught. So it's all about the STEM pedagogy and how we roll it out, right? So in regards to science is hard, I don't believe it's hard. I believe it's how you how it's being introduced in the education system. So if it's introduced in a fun way, kids will snap, uh, connect science fun. They will persist even though it is hard. But if you present science in a uh, a lot of research jargon, a lot um, all these big words, but you don't take the time to break down the words or study the vocabulary, then yes, it is going to be hard because the way it's introduced to you and from as you grow up or as you develop, you start that stigma in science, I'm not going to touch that. Or math, uh, I ain't going to do that. But if you introduce it in a way that's applicable to your everyday life or it's in a fun and engaging way, then it's not going to be hard. So that's what I want to put out there. Demystifying STEM is the way it's introduced. It's like a first impression, right? When you meet somebody, you don't really like them. And I mean, you meet them and you, you see that they're very stuck up or uppity in some way. And you'd be like, uh, I ain't going to deal with them. But it takes time for you to circle back around and get to that person and then really understand why they the way they are. That's how they look. That's how I believe black and brown individuals look at subjects. So reading can be introduced fun because you can act it out through plays and stuff. Um, social studies can be fun because you can put yourself in the middle of history. Science in a way, STEM in a way, we have to find a way that is engaging, fun, but also uh, still get the principles across. And those are triple threat that in our pedagogy we have to roll out in order to demystify hardness of STEM for black and brown people. Man, that's what's up. Now, now I'm looking, I'm looking at um your dissertation title. Now I'm not gonna choke and chip a tooth trying to read this in a way that sounds like I know what it is. So yeah. why don't you tell us about your dissertation? Absolutely. So I say the six words, man. I make renewable energy for cause, or I store renewable energy for cause. Right. That's not what that says. I know that's not what that says, but I, people look at my, my my dissertation, which is uh, I would say just for those who are trying to figure out what it is or Google it, um, is thermodynamic and kinetic studies of alkali metal dope, um, hydrogen storage materials. I mean, lithium amide, magnesium hydride, hydrogen storage materials. But essentially, I use the system, which is the lithium amide magnesium hydride storage system, which is a chemical. I use a catalyst, which is based off alkaline metals, which is group one, the one that's on the side of the periodic table. I put it in the system and I study the thermodynamics, which is the flow of heat. And I study the kinetics, how fast it affects the resorbent of hydrogen release and hydrogen absorption. So that's all I did. I stored it. 
See, and that's I, I think that's that's beautiful the way that you can articulate and describe it in the way that the layman can understand. And I think again, science has been presented as very difficult or very scary. And I think I think you're exactly right that it's about how it's delivered. You know, our, our young people are operating under the misnomer that if it's them, it's difficult. Let me do something else. And I think the more that we have um, professors and teachers that are able, like you said, to make it fun, to make it engaging, um, I, I think that's one of the key components that will enable us to address this, this low entrance number as it relates to black and brown boys and girls. Now, now in, in 2018, you were noted as the top influential chemist of the year by the International Association of Top Professionals. Come on, man, that's crazy. <laughs> how did that happen? And, how, and and tell me, how did you feel when you you received that 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 um that award? It was it was exciting. So uh, IOTP International Association of Top Professionals. Um, I believe they located in New York. Um, yeah, they located in New York. Um, so I think at they looked at my journey. Um, they looked at my name, so I was a scientist. But then when they Googled me um, and they saw all the things I've done up to date, that's when they reached out and said, why nobody knows about your journey? Uh, we got to We got to really highlight this. Um, is it all right if I present you with an award? And I said, yeah, that's that's fine. I appreciate it. So that's where uh, I got the letter saying. Um, you're invited to become part of the International Top Pro Association of Top Professionals and went to a nice uh, dinner off of uh, Fifth Ave. I'm trying to think of the hotel. I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was a nice dinner um, in New York, and we kicked with a lot of the top people in New York City. And it was very, very, um, it was very cool, you know, being around a lot of successful people around the world and seeing what they're doing in life and having networking and conversation. But one of the things that I gained from it was, you know, I'm just a kid from North Philadelphia at the end of the day. So my humility, that's why I don't really, I guess, broadcast what I do because I remember where I was at and where I was going since 14 before beginning my journey at 15. And so mm -hmm. getting that um, thing, that award 10 years later at 25, I've realized um, even though I look like I arrived, I still got work to do. Because there are some people that um, out there that can be inspired by my journey. I don't want to be the only one. I don't want to be the one. Yeah, I'm cool and I'm nice, but you know, I'm a I'm a hood guy at the end of the day that want to try to help other people. So I take that into my mindset and say, okay, how can I leverage this to help other people get to where they need to be as well? I'm gonna always be on top, um, as God showed me I am. But I have to use the power that God gave me in order to leverage and help help other people so no that's definitely what's up and i think if we're if we delve a little deeper into what you said in terms of your journey there's a documentary um called exploding dreams a stem story and yes. that talks about your journey can you tell us a little bit about that documentary absolutely so that ties into what i was talking about helping other people so the documentary is um exploding dreams is on my life um, from Oxford, PA to Oxford, UK, which is the hashtag we use. Because at 15, I got accepted into Oxford, PA, which is uh, Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, um, the undergraduate institution that I went to. 
And at 25, I got accepted to speak at the University of Oxford um, on clean energy and where the world is going in regards to uh, clean energy. What are the current trends? So my producer um, at the time, he said, hey, let's let's shoot. a." Um, of course, we I shot my journey throughout the time when I met him. He said, well, let's turn this into a movie. So we took it from all the way back at 15 what I was doing then and let's shoot to what led me up to this moment, uh, which was I quote unquote exploded into my dreams and how other people can too um, in the world of STEM. And so that's why I said steam, a steam story because I'm showing you visually the arts, what it took for me to get from there to here. And it was a, a tough journey. Um, I'm not going to say I'm like a lot of the uh, geniuses that are coming out now very smart individuals. I had to work really extremely hard to get to where I'm at today. And I wanted to display that journey to give hope to inner city kids to say, hey, you can explode into your dreams as well. If you believe in yourself and you put the work behind, work behind it and find that network. Because I'm be real, find that network that's going to take you to places that you dreamt of going. Thank you. Thank you for, for sharing. What what do you think is one of the most difficult things that you had to deal with along this journey? And I know there's a plethora of ones that you could you could um, identify, but tell us about one of the one of the struggles that you had to to face and how you overcame that struggle. I could say it off the top of my head, imposter syndrome, man. Um I had to deal with a triple threat when I walked into the STEM world. Not only I was, um, of course, black. Not only I was a male, um, black male, but I also was young. So I'm in the room um, speaking, and this started around when I, in 2013, when I spoke over in Italy. I'm speaking in a room full of people that have been doing this for 20 and 30 years, probably was born into this um, with background, family engineers, scientists, so on and so forth. And walking into that, walking into those rooms and really giving my talk and, you know, telling them what I know, what I, how I'm advancing this field and scientific community, so on and so forth, what results scientifically. Stepping down, I had a hard time having conversations with others because there weren't people that looked like me in the room doing what I was doing. So the relatability in terms of culture um, was very hard throughout my journey. I mean, now I, I, I you know, I've got life, <laughs> dealing with life now and um, kicking in and understand life experiences. But back then it was imposter syndrome. And then even walking into rooms now, um, still being young, I'm 29 years old. There are some things that I've realized that I can't really relate to because I'm a generation, I'm a millennial in a room full of baby boom majority of the time or Gen Xers. So being a millennial stepping into this space, whereas my generation happy they got uh, one paper off, I had five. <laughs> so it's like, it, it would put you in different rooms and I have a patent which puts you in a different room. And it's like, you know, I'm still, I think I'm still, culturally, I'm still with my people. But right. when I walk into these rooms, they're not part of the culture. So um, just Still being authentically me, I have to find a way to make conversation outside of doing talks. Wow. So you you're, you actually hold a U.S. patent? Yes. 
Okay. So again, we got you, you said it's about making uh, STEM easy, accessible, and understand it and understandable, right? You, you can really delve into it in a way that the common man, what is that pattern? What does it do? What is it? I'm gonna go back to my dissertation, man. Uh, I store renewable hydrogen energy for cars and other applications. So essentially, that's what the patent was based on. My dissertation, that patent basically gave birth to the novelty of my dissertation. Um, I discovered that uh, we discovered something novel. My my advisor's team, Dr. Gowdy, and I and the team members, we discovered a patent. I mean, we discovered something novel when dealing with our system, dealing with um, a hydrogen storage material that can absorb sun in 27 minutes. Um, at the time, it took five to six hours with high heat and high pressure. We did some with high heat um, under 27 minutes. So we said, let's patent this particular thing because we don't know in the future it may lead to something that where we're at now when we're talking about hydrogen in the commercial space or the marketplace. So that's where we're in the process now. Um, I won't say spinning out, but um, creating a company around that patent and even more to come for uh, the hydrogen market. But simply the patent is I store hydrogen energy for cars and other applications. Okay. See yeah. that? There we go again, right? There we go again. Easy to understand, easy to digest. Um, what would you tell young young men at this point if they were considering getting into the STEM fields? What what advice would you give them that either you wish you had or that you actually had? Absolutely. So um, black men or men who are getting into the STEM field, um, just, I would just tell them, listen, where do you see yourself? Do you What are you good at, first of all? Let's let's focus on that because I don't want you just getting into STEM just because it makes a lot of money. That's what I did, and I over, and from there I went to chemistry and found that I loved that. That's how I was able to do the things I was doing. But what are you good at, first of all? Let's focus on there. What are you good at? Don't just jump into STEM for the sake of STEM and everybody telling you what are you good at. And from where you good at, that's number one. Number two, where do you see yourself? Um. You're 20, let's say you, you, you're 25 years old, right? 25 years old, you're probably two, three years in your career. What would that career is? What do you wake up to? What is your daily routine like? You brush your teeth, wash your face, you get something to eat, you go outside. Where are you going at outside? Because mm. I'm all about creative visualization. You got to see yourself in the spot um, before you can. And don't say, well, I don't know what it looks like. We got, We all got phones. We all can do YouTube, Google what it is, and see the, the life of a certain person. So do you see yourself, whatever you see, do you see yourself doing that in the net when you hit 25? And from there, if you do see yourself, whether it's a science in the science field, the tech field, engineering field, mathematics field, because you got a lot of examples now, do you see yourself doing it? Okay, now let's look at your situation and let's start creating some steps. I'm glad you asked this question because I do this with my students all the time. A lot, especially mm -hmm. in chemistry, I'm doing with a lot of young ladies. They're not in chemistry for the sake of chemistry. They're in chemistry because they want to create cosmetics or create products and do mm -hmm. something entrepreneurial or get into formulations, which is an right. aspect of chemistry. So that's why I say 
The second part, where do you see what do you see yourself doing? Because there's multiple ways, traditional and non-traditional ways to get into STEM now than never before. I do, if you want to be a, a expert and, and be dominating, I do pursue, ask you to pursue the traditional route. Mm-hmm. So you can protect your behind and be entrepreneurial. Okay. But but in regards to if there's some non-traditional routes as well, particularly in the tech space, see yourself doing that, but don't just do it for the sake of money. Do it because you see yourself doing it at the age of 25 or whatever age you choose. And you work yourself backward from there because when the hard times hit, you will see the visualization that you saw at 25, it will motivate you to keep on going. Yeah, that's what's up. No, it's very, very important for us to be able to see ourselves in those positions before we're able to really um, track a path that leads to it. Right. Because and that, I think, goes again back to um, understanding that this is accessible for everyone. Like it's not it's not this big, scary um, 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 discipline or sets of disciplines that that only a very specific, highly talented group of individuals can participate in. If they're if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to put in the time, um, um, everything is is possible. And I I think that's a a beautiful um, a segue into Dell State. Uh, in their 130-year history, you were the youngest doctoral candidate ever. It, it just feels like you really had a, a jump on this early. Um, is that the case, or um, does something else explain your 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 great deal of success at such a young age? I would say this, and none of this was planned at all and that and my father said this in the documentary it wasn't planned at all um i just wanted to be done school early so i could have fun with the rest of my life that's that's really the reason why i got into this this uh particular space and um when i realized i was the i knew i was going to be young but realized i was the youngest in the school's history than overall america um because at first, it was somebody at 23, but I beat them by, by one year, 22. Um, for this, for just being in chemistry, it wasn't planned. I wasn't saying, okay, we're going to be the youngest. This is the goal. No, my goal was I'm being done in my early 20s. So when I get in my career, I can live, have fun, but I can also be responsible because I'm a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So that was my goal. My goal was... By the time I'm 25, I want to do what I want to do. So charting the course of graduating by 22 was just the happenstance. And that's when everybody started catching on to all the stuff. I'm like, I'm I'm thankful for it, but let me get into my career and, and do what I need to do. Because in my mind, yes, it's exciting. And I'm not knocking, I'm not playing it down at all. It was very exciting. We had uh, big ups to the school, Delaware State University, who's leading the HBCU way because of our president. And also uh, Lincoln University being the oldest in the history who helped throughout my journey. But and also I I stopped by Howard a little bit as well, the Mecca. But throughout my journey, that it all just fell into place. Um, A lot of things weren't intentional. Um, but when I got into that particular opportunity, I made it intentional, if that made sense. So getting to Howard, like, for example, when I got to Delaware State to work on this, 
I said, I don't care what I do. I am going to get a patent out of stuff since it's groundbreaking at the time. Right. And we definitely going to get into it. And that's where the patent came along with four papers that I had to publish, according to my advisor. Same thing was happening in my career. I said, now we got to, the biggest goal, or one of the big goals is, okay, now we got to make an impact in at least 300 kids um, in regards to having a journey similar to me or they doing what they love in STEM and making it look fly. We're not going to make it look stuffy. We're going to make this thing look fly and cool because, again, we're going to demystify what STEM looks like. It don't has to be, and no offense to nobody, it don't have to look um, nerdy and uppity. We, we, the next generation, we can make this thing look cool and fly, and we can do this thing with style and still talk our itch. Come on. You know what I'm So <laughs> I know because I do it. So it's just like – Right. I know it can be done. And I'm just, again, a guy just from North Philadelphia, just trying to make an impact in other people's lives. I just happen to do it in chemistry. That's all. I mean, I you, you I think, are, are one of the a, – a person that could um, – is most qualified to be able to, to speak to this next, uh, this next question. Can you talk about the importance of HBCUs in your life and, and as a possible um, landing spot for young people that are interested in getting into higher ed and getting into this STEM um, fields, because um, obviously we got Lincoln, we got Delaware State, we got Howard. It seems like you touching a whole lot of bases um, to get to where you are. Can you speak to the HBCU experience and how it impacted your journey specifically? Absolutely. So the HBCU experience, I believe, is like no other. It literally encouraged me to be myself. It don't matter what subject I study, it encouraged me to be myself. Um, particularly when I went through uh, Lincoln University, it was like a family because it's a small one, a small university. You think it's growing medium sized, but when I was there, it was small. It was more family oriented. So. And also, I was a legacy. My mother and father, my older brother went there. So it was more family-oriented to me um, in regards to uh, just everybody looking after each other. We got each other's backs when we're studying, especially in the sciences. We're going to look out for one another. Um, we're going to make sure we help each other pass exams. Things of that nature, just family-oriented, and we're just going to have fun while doing it a little bit. Especially, I say a little bit, especially for the STEM side, right? We we in the lab and studying all day. But when I got to Howard, DC was kind of uh fun because I was able to do science, but we did science on a level that I'd never seen before. But they made it so practical because again, I'm dealing with um black and brown individuals on a high level, been doing this, and they made it so, oh, you just do this, 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 and we just gotta use big words to explain what we're doing to the scientific community because in scientific community, I make things very specific. Right. And it was Howard. I mean, Howard had a different vibe, uh, different energy. Remind me a little, little Philadelphia in a sense, like Howard was to DC as Temple was to Philly. And that's how I felt Temple university because Temple university in North Philadelphia. So when I went to uh, Delaware state, that was more like, okay, this is my university. 
And this is where I know I can make an impact um, at the school um, because I saw the potential. And Delaware State down in Dover, Delaware, which is the central part of Delaware, um, it felt like home to me um, for my personal home because this is where at 18 years old, I quote unquote started my college journey, even though I already finished college. So that was like my college, my four years that I walked out and start seeing the, I got a little more comfortable with the STEM field. And I said, okay, let me see if I can do this. And my advisor very supportive said, all right, we're going to let him do that. Um, I want to, I want to uh, chance this. He said, let's chance that. And those chances were fortunate to be successful that allowed me to travel around the world. And my advisor, who was also black, gave me the game and the gems to navigate the STEM world as a black man. But I put my little spin on and said, all right, he, he taught me how to navigate it. But also, I'm a, I know how to talk the language, but I also know how to talk my language. Because the reason why I know how to break things down in simple terms Every week I had to go back home and people would ask me, Ja, what are you doing? And I used to tell them, they said, English, man. I don't, what is that? So I had to figure out a way, okay, this is what I'm doing in layman's terms. And not <laughs> make them feel down or anything, but make them understand what I'm doing. And I had to learn how to switch in that way. Say, so, okay, this is scientific language, but somebody asked me, they don't know nothing what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. And so, like right now in the hydrogen space, I'm working on, I said, how many of y'all want to fill up um, with $3 or $2 gas for the rest of your life? Yeah. And that's the full. Everybody raised their hand and says, that's what I'm working on. So that's what hydrogen is. We're switching out the, the, the gas prices you're seeing now. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the gas prices. <laughs> <laughs> so I know New York looking crazy right now. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> so what, what we basically, I, I think, I mean, whatever's happening in the world, but this is ushering in clean energy, right time, right? So what hydrogen might, the field of hydrogen storage or hydrogen energy, the infrastructure that's ushering in, we're trying to be the new gas, so to speak, right? But we're going to do it in a clean way because it's three levels of hydrogen. You got gray, blue, green. Our focus is on the green where we do everything clean. The blue is a eh, little dirty. Gray is very dirty. You don't want... It, it produce hydrogen, but it's in a dirty way. You don't want that. Blue is don't like, that. but the green side is very clean when we're using solar wind energy to produce hydrogen. That's what we, uh, that's the goal, right? So we roll in an infrastructure, which is new fuel stations like the gas station, but it's hydrogen to make the cost of the economy, the hydrogen economy, way cheaper to where we can get to that. How many of y'all want to get $3? A gallon. I mean, three dollars full tank for the rest of your life. We're trying to usher in that new "quote unquote" gas that we know we can keep at three dollars because hydrogen is abundant, the most abundant element in the universe. That means even if we run out, we go to space, get it from there, and we back in business. That's how abundant it is. So that's that's why I think people are connotatively. Um, turned off because of the atom bomb or the Hildenberg experiment back in the day of hydrogen, but we're trying to change that connotation to something way positive. And it can also go in other fields other than energy, but energy is the biggest one right now for hydrogen. Yo, that's awesome, man. Listen, tell me about um the 3E plan. Like, what exactly is that? Sure. So 
the three plan was birthed by uh my fiance. So one of the things that I had a problem with, I was all over the place. And in regards to STEM, I just want to hit everything STEM. But my uh, fiance had to sit me down and say, you need to get focused because it looks like you just all over the place doing whatever. Because STEM is all, you know, STEM is getting more broader. Um, It's not just in this, it's broader and getting more to the culture and community. So I established a 3E plan to help keep me in lanes that I specialize in. So the 3E plan for, and not not did this literally last year. So the 3E plan stands for, it's three E's that shows I'm focused on. It's education, it's energy, and then it's overall entrepreneurship. Energy. I just talked about that. My focus is hydrogen storage and production um, in regards to energy, clean energy, with my clean energy startup, Elite Energy. The education piece, I'm a professor, of course. Um, I also focus on STEM uh, education. My company, Elite Universal Network, focus on uh, where we make STEAM um, simple, which is what I just did. Uh, I take complex sciences and I break them down. And then last but not least, the overall entrepreneurship. What I realized with my uh, gift to make things simple, um, everyone I come in contact with, in the last 10 years, somehow formed their own company in their own field. So I realized not only I just know how to do science, but I, I encourage people to launch into entrepreneurship or do entrepreneurial activity within their, um, their in their respective careers or disciplines. So that entrepreneur piece is something that I just like to help people out in terms of understanding their own respective journey and how they can contribute to the marketplace whether it's through a business or a business they already working in with an entrepreneurial mindset and spirit. So that's my three E plan that I focus and specialize on energy, education, STEM education specifically, and then overall entrepreneurship. That's what's up. That's what's up. Family. Listen, we don't, we're, we're almost out of time. Can you tell the audience and tell our followers where they can find information about you or find you? Absolutely. So um, you could go to my website at www.jalalhayes, so D-R-J-A-L-A-A-L-Hayes.com. Um, that's my personal website. Or you can follow me on social media platforms. Uh, IG is at Dr. J-A Hayes. Uh, that's Dr. D-R-J-A-H-A-Y-E-S on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also, you could just, if all else fails, you could just Google um, Jalal Hayes or Dr. Jalal Hayes, and you could get that information through there as well. Awesome. Family, thank you so very much for your time. I appreciate you stopping by and allowing us to benefit from your experience. Again, family, thank you so very much. And I'm looking forward for us to do some work together that you know, things in the works that the people will find out about later. But thank you so very much. Um, for sharing your time with us today. No, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate this time. This is cool. All right. <laughs> Philly and Brooklyn. Shot down yeah. too. Yeah. That's what's up. Okay. <laughs> thank you. All right. Yeah, thank you, I, I ain't like that game though, man. Why y'all kidding? <laughs> I loved it. I listen, listen, listen. We can talk about that off camera. But Brooklyn <laughs> gave Philly that work. 
My city looking crazy, man. All right. All right. Take care, family. You too.